Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Testament of Youth is a powerful story of love, war, and remembrance based on the First World War memoir of Vera Britton, which has become a classic testimony of that war from a woman's point of view, a searing journey from youthful hopes and dreams to the edge of despair and back again. It's a film about love, futility of war, and how to make sense of the darkest times. We are joined today by the director of this wonderful new film, called Testament of Youth, and that would be James Kent. James, welcome to Film School. Hey, Mike. Lovely to to talk to you. Thank you so much. Well, I guess the first and obvious question is, how did you get involved in this uh, project, uh, Testament of Youth? Well, it's very fortuitous, really. In that heyday films, you know, David Heyman, who's made all the Harry Potters, uh, Gravity, Paddington, Mm Mm-hmm. Great, great producer. He and his colleague, Rosie Allison, had been tracking my television work. And they, they sort of saw that I had this kind of combination of romance and elegy, and I love my history, and they kind of felt the package was right for this specific movie. And, and, and you know, I came on board. It had been in development for four or five years. And finally, you know, they were in search of a director, and, and, and it happened to be me, I'm thrilled to say. Mm-hmm. And how would you say that your film work uh, has prepared you for this film? What was it, what would it be in your mind the, the thing yeah. that, uh, that made it such a good fit? Well, I guess I've done a lot of documentary work. Mm-hmm. You know, I made a mm-hmm. lot of feature docs in war zones. I did a film about 9-11. Mm-hmm. did another film that won an Academy Award in Britain called Auschwitz. And these are all dark, quite challenging subjects, and yet mediated in a way that the audience can really connect and feel profoundly on that subject matter. Mm. And, and, and obviously this film is about World War I and loss and recovery. And, and so I, I, I bring some of those documentary skills and truth to a true story mm. that I think possibly directors who haven't made documentaries would find a kind of longer stretch, if you like. Yeah, I felt that in, uh, particularly in the the, uh, the shots, the scenes where we were seeing just the horror of war, uh, especially World War One. I. I think it's, uh, in my opinion, World War One is often overlooked um, for the impact that it had on the world at that time. And also, I don't think it's a a stretch to say the impact that that war is having on us even to this day. It's a tremendously important historic event that I think sometimes gets lost in the shadow, if that's the right way to put it, of World War II uh, in terms of its importance and the impact it's had on our our world. I think think that's really true, Mike. I mean, first of all, there was such a scale of young loss. Yes. That, you know, it, it, uh, it, it becomes our most fatal reminder of, you know, who we're sending to war. You know, young guys, often 20 years old, you know, who, who are just following orders. And as older adults, we have a responsibility to really think through every single step of that journey before we commit them to that kind of conflict. And, um, you know, World War One was so heavy with loss that its long shadow 
particularly if you're a European, um, still lingers with us today. You know, we're struggling to keep a Europe united, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, fighting on the same side after centuries of internal conflict that in the 20th century, America couldn't not but get involved in because mm. it became so huge. So, that, yeah, World War One is with us still. Yeah, and I, I, again, I sort of, I don't want to get too far afield on her historic overview of this, but it's the last war in which the civilian population uh, was was in many ways removed from war, um, starting yeah, with World right. War you, you could, you know, yeah, yeah, you had the battlefield, and yes. then, which I think makes Vera's story so powerful. Right. You know, she's one of those who chooses, chooses to get involved and could easily have just avoided it. Um, she gets involved because of the love she feels right. for these very handsome, rather wonderfully special young men. Um, and, and, to, and, and to have that level of loss, I think, you know, it's a real reminder that mothers and sisters and daughters are often those who, for whom, for, if you like, the aftershocks of war never, never stop. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. they're left with that loss and that grief. Yeah. And, um that's her story. Well, and this again, this is uh, the story of uh, Vera Britton is is uh, was written contemporaneously or a few years after the events, but certainly by by Vera who lived through all of this based on her her life. Um, one of the first instances where um, I believe uh, a woman's point of view was really introduced as the central part of the story, a central perspective on a story about war, um, maybe yeah. ever. I, I'm not even certain that there were very many, if any, before her account. Um, and it's certainly a beautifully rendered in A Testament of Youth. Um, tell me a little a bit about that, that impact that that piece of literature has had on on Britain and just on yeah. this perspective of this film. Well, it's, it's iconic, actually. Mm-hmm. You, know, most, you know, most young girls come across it at school, and um, I happened to go to the same university as Vera, and her, you know, her legacy, if you like, is very strongly felt. She really fought for women's education. She was part of the kind of early attempts to get votes for women. Yeah. Uh, she became a journalist. She became a woman of independent means, if you like, at a time when you know, they were not encouraged to enter the professions or even become a nurse, frankly. And so... You know, she she was the pioneers. You know, to, it's very hard, I think, for today's girls and women to imagine a hundred years ago you couldn't sit in a living room with a boy without one of your parents there. You had to, when you went on a date, there had to be an adult with you at all times. If, if you made a phone call, your mother would be stood by the phone. <laughs> I mean, we're in the days of Facebook and mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, the internet and, and uh, Twitter and. You know, where, where girls and boys and women and men have entirely independent of their parents. Yeah. Well, a hundred years ago, it was a different story. And yet she f- struggled to find her voice within that. And she succeeded. So she's, you know, the film is inspirational because yeah. of that. You know, against the odds, she's a survivor. Yeah, it's, I agree. I, I just want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with James Kent. He's the director of the new film, uh, Testament of Youth, coming out soon. We'll be announcing those dates uh, as we get closer to the release. But um, yeah, and I, it's a uh, in regard to the story, I thought it was a, a terrific setup to uh, sort of a precursor to her character. 
uh, very early on in the film when uh, her father presents her with a gift that she's made it clear that she doesn't really want. And she sees this gift as a kind of a continuation of her being boxed in on what she wants to do with her life. And I thought it was a great sort of setup and it set up a lot of the dynamics within yeah, the it's film. Very, it's very Jane Austen, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes, it was. Pride and Prejudice, you yeah. know, it's sort of... But she's, you know, she's, she's a character, and, and indeed, you read this in Testament of You, kind of slightly hard to like to begin with. Yeah. She's very self-opinionated. Yeah. She knows best. Her parents can go to hell. You know, yeah. it's kind of like the story lots of parents remember their daughters being like. Mm-hmm. And um, but because we know she's going to go on this sort of incredible story arc, right. we forgive her. And I've, I always think with young actors, young characters, you can get away with them being just a little bit more true to life, knowing that in the end it's a rites of passage, and this movie is a rites of passage. It is all of that, and uh, it's a terrific cast. Uh, one of my all-time favorite actresses plays uh, her mother, and that would be Emily Watson, who's absolutely yeah, wonderful. Yeah, Emily Watson, yeah. Great, a great actress. She is um, terrific. But it's, uh, but this young cast, relatively speaking, um, uh, Taryn Egerton and Kit Harrington, and all the all of the men in her life, are all very distinctive, very well-drawn characters. I thought they brought a lot to the dynamic of this story. And, and, and of course, uh, Alicia uh, Vikander, um, let's talk about her. She carries the film. Assembling this cast, uh, James Kent, uh, Kent what, was, what was that like for you? It's sort of fantastic. Mm. Fantastic experience, because none of these people had hit the big time, apart from Kit, you could argue, from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, as Jon Snow, who plays her, her boyfriend, Roland, in the film. Uh, you know, they, they, but they all had this promise. And actually what's really interesting is we shot this movie a year ago, and in that year, they're all really getting noticed. So Taron Egerton from a movie called The Kingsman, mm-hmm. you know, Alicia yeah. Vikander, Ex Machina, and a whole set of major films about to come out. Um, you know, so Kit, who's, you know, Game of Thrones is now at its, a phenomenon yeah. um it's it's you know seeing these young actors really sort of flourish and blossom in this past year has really i think endorsed our choices and uh, you know what you're yeah. getting is the crop of the next sort of generation of film stars in one film well, and that's yeah. that's, a, that's you know it's incredibly lucky actually because we had a great casting agent that really matters in these moments She'd really you know, done her research. And, um, you know, I, I, you know to, to, I'm a first-time film director. To be able to work with such young, talented cast was a great, great privilege. Well, and, and absolutely, casting, as you've, I've heard down through the ages of filmmaking, uh, is such an integral and important part of filmmaking. And particularly, as you said, your f- first narrative film and certainly a, a, a higher profile uh, film project. This feels like a movie uh, that, uh, in it, it's a, a story well told. It looks beautiful. Your cinematographer, that would be Rob Hardy, um, you did a terrific job Thank with the you, look. Yeah. yeah, it just looks great. Well, great. You know, let's not forget the team. You know, it's really yeah. easy for the director to become the kind of vocal point, <laughs> but you know, the director works in- intimately, yes. not just with the actors, but with the director of photography, the designer, the costumier in this film. The costumes are to die for. <laughs> Anybody who loves Downton Abbey are going to be absolutely blown away by these dresses and suits and hats. And yeah. uh, Consolata Boyle was our costume designer. She did the Iron Lady. She did the Queen. 
she's a really great, great costume designer. Well, for uh, for the uh, the unruly uh, uh, Yankee that I am, I, this film <laughs> will re- re- remind people of Downton Abbey a bit in terms of the look. It's certainly in in that vein, but it, this is a film that. While there is a, a sheen, a polish to it, the look of it, it's a pretty gritty film. Um, and yeah, I, I, I thought mean, that was you well know, done. When calibrating that as a director, you you know you don't want to be too hard for people. But I, on the other hand, yeah. you know you cannot understand her story unless you witness some of the horror that she saw. But at the same time, you know because it's told entirely from her point of view, you know it's a kind of mediating because you're always inside her head and feeling her emotion rather I, I i no one none of the reviews none of the audience that i've met has ever said they felt that was needless no they felt it was absolutely essential to experience some of that loss and and in a way horror yeah you use that word it's right mm-hmm. but you cannot not experience that and yet still understand the anger the entire incredible anger she felt oh. at the end of the war and at every turn, it seemed that she was faced with a daunting a loss, a challenge, and and through it all, and 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 just sort of, the, I like the touchstone of her going back to her, her teacher uh, at the university, yeah. but that sort of back and forth with them, um, there was a there was a respect and admiration that uh, starts to really develop in the film that uh, was was wonderful to see as just characters and this. Yes, Miranda Richardson, who, who yeah. who's who's a great. Actress, she was in the hours. Yeah. Um, you know, she, she played her professor at Oxford University, yeah. and yeah, when she returns to Oxford after the war, there's a kind of shared loss they've both both experienced. And you know, Vera has grown up yeah. in that four years. I mean, they grew up mighty fast because of those experiences, and they they were callow youths at the beginning, and. Mm kind of grown adults by the end. What I like about that particular scene that you mentioned, it's what's not said that's just as important as what was said in the film, and that's part of the magic of cinema and your direction in it, but I, I just, I find those kind of quiet moments, the ones that uh, that you really have to kind of lean forward and to appreciate. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I agree, Mike. I think those are the most immersive moments, the moments where you could enter the screen rather than being shouted at, um, <laughs> you know. And I think, you know what, I think there's an older, particularly older audience out there who just are yearning for that kind of material, you know, that yeah. gives meaning to their experiences, that, uh, you know, that teach us, that, 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 that linger with us. I think, you know, cinema used to play that role a lot more than it does currently, but I think there's still, you know, the story of your human life yeah. to be told. and. If cinema can reflect that in some way, I think it, you know, it's well worth the price of a ticket to, to, to see that to see that see that on screen. Very yes. In this last minute I have with you, I I, I also want to uh, congratulate you and this is part of the story, a testament of the youth, that uh, you know, her work uh, as a nurse, as Vera's work as a nurse, uh, seeing the humanity and bringing that out about, you know, the Huns. And all of yeah. that, and 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 the impact it had on her life moving forward uh, after uh, you know all of this was uh, in her past, uh, is important. It's an important message. I think that we, you know, it's easy to lose sight of the humanity of others when uh, when you're in these situations. And 
uh, throughout this film, there's a there's a humanity to all of this that uh, that I thought was just exceptional. Oh, thank you so much. That's so wonderful to hear. I'm really glad. Thank you, Mike. You're so welcome. Again, I'll remind our listeners that the film is Testament of Youth, and the director is James Kent. Again, uh, be on the lookout for this. We'll be talking about it uh, when we get to uh, the release date. Uh, again, uh, James Kent, thank you for being on Film School. It's a pleasure, Mike. Good luck with everything. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.